with fortitude, prudence, temperance, and justice, you could do anything in this world. Salif Fofana, serial entrepreneur, investor, and culture consultant. Uh, $90 million. Came to the United States in 1990. Family business has just been passed down. One of them was a former ambassador. I have an uncle that's in uh, in the oil business. Uh, as far as my academic, I wasn't a great student. I've made some great trades. Bought a, I bought a car for $6,000 and sold it for about $24,000. Would you advise people to keep it simple as possible when making an investment? Uh, yes, depending on how much you're investing. I'm competing right now with LeBron James and Mark Zuckerberg. I, I, I would have made it to the NBA for sure. Uh, a lot of people will be will prosper if they position themselves well. The key thing about spending the hundred billion dollars, you know, to have a strategy, you know, and stick to that strategy and have a and have discipline and stick to that discipline. Thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of the CEO Journey podcast, where we talk about all things business and entrepreneurship. Today, I'm blessed to be joined by a serial entrepreneur, investor, and coach consultant, Salif Fafana. Salif, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. No worries, my friend. No worries. Um, I know you've been crushing it in the business game lately. So to all the viewers, obviously, you're, you're based in uh, New York currently. So to all the viewers out there who might not know you, um, how would you briefly introduce yourself, what you're currently doing, and what you're about? Uh, so the viewers that don't know me, I like to start from the beginning, uh, how I came in this world. I was born in Libya, August 3, 1984. Uh, parents is from Mali, West Africa. And uh, so I came to the United States in 1990 when I was about five years old. And I started from first grade up until now. I've been in the United States. So we're in 2023. Mm. And... So that's pretty much, uh, that's my journey. No, definitely, man. And um, obviously, you know, growing up in Libya, um, that's quite a focal point for me and uh, something I'd like to understand a bit more about you. So take us way back, man. What was your experience like there? Um, do you have any lasting memories that you think, wow, what a great time or anything like that? Yes. Uh, well, I've been, you know, first and foremost, I'm the only family uh, that's been born in Libya. So my memory back then, uh, once again, I was born August 3. So I was there until about 1986. So I was two years old. And then from there, uh, I moved with my parents back to uh, Bamako, Mali, which is in West Africa. Mm-hmm. And I was I was I was there from 1986 to 1990. So about four years. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been to the United States uh, ever since. So my memory back in Libya wasn't too much. Uh, all I remember was that Gaddafi was the president. Wow. And then uh, and, in, in Mali, when I went there in 1986, I remember Musa Traore was the president at the time there also. And then, uh, then I came to the United States in 1990 and George Bush was the president when I was about five years old. So those are my memories back then. And so I've been to I've been in the United States ever since. So I've seen a lot of presidents uh, from Bush to Clinton mm. to Bush again uh, to uh, Obama to Donald Trump to currently yeah. uh, Joe Biden. You've seen a lot. So I guess talk to me a bit about your family background then and um, your social status just generally in Africa. Um, you know, how was your family making ends meet at the time? 
Okay, so my family background. So first and foremost, I have a lot of aunts and uncles, about over 30 aunts and uncles. My grandpa, who I was named after, Salif Fofana. That's on my dad's side. Um, he had he had over 20 kids, so I would say about 24. And on my mom's side, uh, it was just my uh grandpa, Mama Dutraude. Mm. And uh so they had about eight. So you combine that and start with my grandparents. Uh, they was both uh, into agriculture, mm-hmm. and which was it was very successful. And we had they own a lot of acres over over a few hundred acres wow. uh, in Bamako. And um, so with so entrepreneurship, uh, you know, I would say started with them, even with my great grandfathers also. And because it's pretty much been family business, it's just been passed down as tradition. Mm. And then uh, with my uncles, there's different diversity, especially with my aunts, too. So I have uh, uncles that's in politics, uh, who's one of them was a former ambassador uh, in agriculture. Mm. Uh, I have an uncle that's in uh, in the oil business, crude oil business, uncles mm. into d- different type of financial investments. And some that work in corporate, uh, some that work regular jobs. And uh, so the background is pretty much diverse, which also allowed me to, you know, have that entrepreneurship spirit. Yeah. And uh, also have a lot of cousins of over 50 cousins. And so being part of a large family uh, has its advantages. Uh, It, 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 it pretty much the basic fundamental I could say it allow you to deal with different personalities. Mm. And, you know, my grandpa was my best friend. So he gave me a lot of wisdom and a lot, and a lot of information uh, with his plans and his vision. Mm. And I took that to heed. And that's what also allowed me to prosper and make some good investments myself. No, definitely. So what were the key lessons that your grandfather taught you then? Obviously having that entrepreneurial background. Uh, well, he says, uh, if you're going to get into business, uh, first thing um, you should do, especially if you're going to spend your money on something, uh, just think 100 years ahead. Mm-hmm. So put in the back of your mind, um, is this company going to be here 100 years from now? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the fundamentals I took to he. And also he um, mentioned, it, you know, to for me to always have confidence in, uh, and believe in myself. No, definitely. So... Would you say seeing that at a young age, seeing your um, family, you know, pursuing entrepreneurship, doing well in business, did that give you the flair to think at a young age, look, I want to do something like that or be my own boss? Yes. Uh, I always had that in me. Um, Even when I work, uh, you know, when I've worked for family and I work in uh, uh, since I've done some internships, uh, anytime, the reason how I knew I had that entrepreneurial spirit is uh, every time, I'm, either if I'm working with somebody, uh, mm. I always um, look at it from a business perspective. I always look at it from an overall perspective. Uh, how is this company being run? Uh, how can it be successful? Um, how is the cash flow? Is, it, is this company uh, going to be around for a while? Um, so, you know, I always just watch how things operate, you know, since a child, I, I've been fascinated. I always been fascinated with, with calculations and things being multiplied mm. and, 
you know, in goods and service, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any business that that allows you to serve the people, uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, I like to add value into anything that I do. No, hundred percent. So you move from Libya to um, Malia and then from Malia to the U S what was the motivation behind uh, moving to the U S what was your family's motivation? So my parents' motivation was to provide uh, a better opportunity for me and my siblings. Mm. And so that was their, pretty much their vision, their vision. They felt that the United States would allow me and my siblings to reach our full potential, which I, you know, you know, I agree with uh, 1 billion percent due to the fact that uh, here in America, we have what you call democracy, where you could pretty much do anything you want. Yeah. Um, you know, long as uh, and you could be anything that you want. You know, mm-hmm. you put you put in a thousand hours, yeah, and you know it it gives you a pathway to be successful. Yeah, definitely. So, do you remember that transitional that moving process um, from Malia to the US? Do you remember anything of you moving there? What was your earliest memory from that? Absolutely, I remember vividly, like yesterday. Uh, when I when I first was coming to the United States. Uh, my grandpa told me, he says, uh, you're going to go to a new country mm-hmm. where you don't know the language and to put it in your head that uh, everyone works for you. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to go to another country where everyone works for me. He said, yes. And I think that was one of the best advice that you can give a five-year-old child, That's especially true. with that transition. Uh, cause what that did for me, it gave, it gave me confidence. Cause, uh, when I went to school, I did not understand English. All I knew was bump was Bambara mm. and, uh, some French and some Arabic. Mm. So, uh, my first week was pretty much a great transition, even though no one understood anything that I was saying. Cause I was speaking in Bambara. I was saying, uh, salifofana donko Mm. So that's that's the vernacular language in Mali. And uh-huh. no one knew what I was saying. The teachers didn't know what I was saying. But the teacher was uh fascinated due to the fact that I had so much confidence in my in my classmates was actually I had their attention, even though they didn't know what I was saying. Yeah. And uh because in my mind I felt like they worked for me. Yeah. So and okay, it took, I mean, within, I would say minutes, I realized that no one understood what I was saying. And within, within I would say about a week or two, I just started speaking a few sentences in English. Yeah. So, so overall then, would you say it was difficult for you to fit in or was it more about the character that you had in you instilled from those early lessons that allowed you to flourish in that new environment, you reckon? Yeah, so it was it was an easy transition. It was not difficult for me to fit in at all. Uh, my classmates uh, uh, was they was pretty much uh, fascinated <laughs> with mm-hmm. my culture, and you know, since since I'm a child, so I already so the reason why I was saying what my grandpa said was very powerful at the time is because so he 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 mentioned to me that everyone works for me. And mm-hmm. I believe, you know, and and that belief, what that did for me was gave me confidence. Yeah. And 
so it took the pride and ego away and it allowed me to just um have no barriers so yeah. the trans so the transition ended up becoming very simple because i think my culture allowed me to uh to flourish no definitely so how, how did you do in school then man how how was your school life um did you progress well were you academic what was the crack with that uh, as far as my academic, I wasn't a great student. I mean, of course, I had potential to be a straight A student. Mm. Uh, it's just that I was just, uh, you know, I did I did pretty much just enough mm. to, to 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 pretty much graduate and pass because uh, my focal point was more into uh, interacting with other students. I mean, sometimes mm. I got distracted by you know having too many friends, uh, teachers as always. Uh, mentioned to me that I have a lot of potential that if I stay focused that I'll be a straight A student so I mean I've had decent grades it could have been better mm. uh, but I was very close with my teachers they you know from uh, elementary to high school to college uh, mm. all my teachers you know they pretty much took time out to help me out they had a lot of patience no definitely so what what is your perception of the education system what what is your standpoint on it? Because obviously we see a lot of entrepreneurs who uh, like to push the narrative of, you know, screw education, you know, follow your dreams, all that, all that. Some people might call it crap. Um, you know, what, what's your perception of the education having, you know, gained a lot of useful stuff from it, essentially? So my thing with education is that one is very important mm. due to the fact that uh, it allows you to learn and especially things that you don't know and it's a tool if you use education correctly it will benefit you in the future um uh, even if you're not a straight a student just even being in an environment dealing with different diversity uh di different cultures uh because in your home it's pretty much you your parents and your siblings that's pretty much that's about it mm -hmm. but in a school i would say that's like more of a neutral ground where you you have kids coming from all walks of life uh different backgrounds that's one factor and then the other factor would be also teachers actually can teach you something uh, um if you uh apply yourself i mean the traditional methods may not be great no you know because everyone learn at a different pace but education is very very important you know uh it's uh it's a it's a tool. Even if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you if you want to work with a company, mm. uh, being in school allow you to develop those some of those skills. No, definitely. So what I'm what I'm getting from that is the fact that you know the traditional methods of teaching someone academic studies may not be the best, but you have to look at it from a uh, broader mindset and try and you know take all the other opportunities that come with education and all the other skills that you can develop, which is, you know, an out, out of the box um, way of thinking about it, to be honest. So, you know, you're in school. Did you have any dreams at that age, any um, places or any, any aspirations of what you wanted to achieve later on in life? Absolutely. Uh, my dream is to, I mean, still to this day to spend a hundred billion dollars and, uh, I say that because in order to afford it, mm. you have to be able to buy it twice. So yeah. I just start off with my pitch as I want to spend a hundred billion dollars. Mm. So if I want to spend a hundred billion dollars, 
and if you need to in order to afford it you gotta buy it twice so how much you think i need 200 billion at, at minimum right at minimum, yeah. So, yeah exactly so um i always wanted to do that and i still i uh, want to do that which is what allowed me to create the halal way yeah now with um with school what it does is uh you know it's uh it it allows you to i mean if you know what you want to do in life and you pretty much have it all figured out then school may not be for you right mm -hmm. but if you don't know what you want to do with your life you, you don't and uh school would be a perfect place for you to develop those fundamental skills yes you know and with me i my dream is uh to you know to be to spend like i mentioned to you uh a hundred billion dollars and that's not because i just want to spend it it's, you know it's to help develop a country you know i want to yeah. uh help with infrastructure i want to allow people to be self-sufficient and i think that would be my value in the in the world so, you know as they say leave the world a better place than you found than you found it and I also would like to thank, you know, our, you know, our ancestors, because what they did for us, for me and you and our generation, they allowed, they allowed it to be easy for us compared to, uh, you know, our parents' generation, because we have now we have so much access to so much information, mm. you know, but then also you have to know how to filter it. Mm. And, uh, and also simple fundamentals, you know, like listening to understand instead of listening to reply. Mm. uh you know you could be self-taught but you also have to comprehend you know you can mm -hmm. you can know how to read but you go you know you're gonna know how to uh you know apply so those are the fundamentals i developed in school but also it was already embedded in me because uh you know my grandpa gave me those fundamental blueprints in the beginning and as i got older it i pretty much just stopped putting it all together and mm -hmm. it just became uh one transition no definitely so you had those aspirations uh, at school life I guess and then you go to university after school you know what was your experience like at university did you go to a um, top university um, yeah what what was the crack yeah so I went to first I went to a DC university I mean I could have went to a lot of different Ivy Leagues uh, but I went to a DC university uh, upstate New York it's called Mohawk Valley Okay. So I started my uh transition there. And you know, that's one of the most, you know, I'm thankful to be able to, you know, to to go to college. You know, that's why I became a man in the sense of uh living by myself, uh learning how to budget. Um, and then I and being in college amplified my entrepreneurship uh spirit. It it actually made me want to be uh, you know, start a company. Because then I realized that, okay, my parents is not here. What am I going to do with my life, you know? And so quickly, within, you know, that's when I started applying myself and said, okay, uh, how can I be self-sufficient? Mm. And uh, where can I add value? Mm. So, and then, you know, I learned things like the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Uh, like, you know, anyone could be a millionaire. You know, you could, yeah. you could work a regular nine to five job and you know you know do some good accounting and save up your money and within 10 to 20 years you you'll probably accumulate a million dollars uh and you know and a billionaire you know uh 
adds value and also makes people money. Mm. So I wanted to be that guy to add value and also allow people to be self-sufficient. No, hundred percent. Did did sorry, uh, sorry, Salah. Did you have any um, side hustles going at the time? Any uh, sparks of uh, business flying about? Oh yes, I had a lot of uh businesses even to this day i still have you know a few different businesses i just i just uh consolidated so it was different businesses it went from selling um uh merchandise you know from clothes to sneakers uh it went from uh then i learned how to trade stocks so yes. you know that was you know, i still do that to this day and um i also interned at um companies um i've uh worked at Harlem children's zone Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which uh Jeffrey Canada. I mean, that's why I met Jeffrey Canada, George Caldoon, and Dr. Brazelton, yeah. you know, who end up becoming my mentors and they get also gave me some good values in life. And then um I learned about a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. That was an exciting uh moment because then uh I got to see uh how hedge funds work and how they invest in businesses and startup startup businesses. Uh, and, and uh, so and I also did a lot of traveling mm-hmm. uh, by going to Miami for spring break, going to California, uh, going to Vegas. So and then I just started expanding and then going to these different states uh, allowed me to see where I can add value. Mm-hmm. And then it made my dream into a reality and say that, OK, not only that you know because first you dream as a child and then you become an adult then you start to see the reality mm. and then that's when i knew it was possible that i could actually uh accomplish to accomplish my goals no definitely so do you remember like the first bit of hustle money you made and what was that feeling like was that at university as well yes that was at a university and the first pair uh the first business the successful business that i've done was uh we pretty much raised money for uh for a basketball team right okay so we wanted to go to uh it was where what part of florida um it was my oh key west right okay we to take a trip to key west so we had to raise money and that's how i learned how to um that's how I knew I was a magnet. So, you know, we, we came up with a good concept, me and my team on how we could, uh, raise capital and to, uh, invest in our trip to, uh, to Florida. Mm-hmm. So we called friends and family, made a pitch to them and, you know, mentioned to them that, uh, you know, we are a basketball team that we would like to, uh, travel to Key West mm-hmm. and uh, play in the tournament. And so, that became successful. We ended up raising about uh twenty thousand dollars. Okay, wow. And that's how it started. You know that that was a successful uh campaign that we started. Mm. And uh, so and after that, I would say another uh great business transaction that I've done was uh I've made some great trades. Mm. Uh, you know, in cars. So I, I bought I bought a I bought a car for I would say six thousand dollars and I shipped it to to Mali and um and sold it for about a little over 
about twenty four thousand. Wow. Okay. So, you know, and that's when I knew. Okay, you know, uh, this is I'm pretty good at this. Well, definitely. So, so that gave you the, um, I guess, a realization that it's possible, and it crushed basically the limiting beliefs that you probably had at the time about making. Yeah. It. No, definitely. Well, not that I, I never actually had a limited belief. You know, I just. I had an ultimate belief. Like I believe myself so, you know, so well, I mean, so much that, uh, you know, I, I doing those small deals, which I've never done before. I mean, I've handled money before, but actually like just being able to take an idea yeah, and uh, take an idea and, and bring it to life. That was fascinating for me. No, definitely. So, so, so would you say um, that, you know, the first bit of money you make, um, you know, from business or hustle, how does that compare to, for example, making a million dollars? Is it incom- incomparable in terms of it being just such a sense of um, greatness and uh, just happiness in yourself that you've actually done something properly legit here? Oh, yes, for sure. So even when, uh, yes, when I, because uh, even making a million dollars, that was even a great transition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you, uh, cause if once I sold the car, it made 20,000, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I could do this 10 times. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, so it's just by finding demand uh, and then be able to um, uh, supply the demand, you know, so, you know, supply and demand, things you learn in school. So with me, what I was doing was, uh, when I took business courses, like I changed my major four times. I went into college as an architect major and then I changed it to uh, business administration. And then from business, I changed it to uh, uh, accounting. And then mm-hmm. from accounting, I ended up finishing it. With, I changed it to media marketing management. That ended up being my right. final degree. So, um, you know, through my journey, then I realized that, okay, wow. Like, uh, cause most of all my friends had scholarships, you know, mm. to play basketball and I played basketball from elementary up until high school, my senior year mm. and my senior year of high school. So me and LeBron James is the same age. Mm. So, uh, my senior high school, we went to the championship, uh, just when I was playing, uh, at Morris high school, and we lost in the championship. Right. Then uh, after that is college, of course. So, but Nike ended up giving LeBron James uh, $90 million. Okay. Uh, and then guess how much they offered me the same year? Nike. How, how much? I don't know. Uh, you know, take a, take, a, take a guess. Are we talking in the uh, million mark or less? Uh, from from zero to zero to a billion. Take a guess. How much? How much? Thank you. Offer me. I'm gonna say fifty million. Let's go with that. <laughs> That's why you're my brother, man. We were gonna do a lot of business together. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't fifty million dollars. I would still be playing basketball. Uh, they offered. <laughs> they actually offered me zero dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when they offered me zero dollars, that's when I knew. Uh. You know, then I just question myself. I asked myself, all right, like, do I really love basketball or I just wanted the money? No, and yeah. then uh, then I realized that my passion wasn't actually playing basketball. 
Yeah. So then I told myself, okay, uh, I'm going to take that same work ethic that I had, that same passion that I thought I had for basketball, and I'm going to apply that into myself and into my business. Right. And I felt like, I, you know, even though LeBron, that's his path, you know, because mm. he already got this, you know, he got the startup. He got the 90 million dollars, you know, to, to start believing in himself. And I have zero dollars. I said, okay, I'm just gonna apply my that energy, that same energy, into my business. So that's how my business journey began. Uh, that was, you know, pretty much right out of high school. And uh, yeah, so you know, and my and also my my goals and aspiration is to be uh, the wealthiest man of my birth year, 1984. So anyone born in 1984. Uh, I want to be number one. Yeah, as far as far as uh net worth, you know, mm-hmm. or capital. So I'm competing right now with LeBron James and Mark Zuckerberg because they both born in 1984. That's a strong competition, there, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a great com- That's a great field to be in, you know. Yeah, Just, definitely. Yeah. No, definitely. So obviously the NBA didn't work out, um, and obviously that hasn't really hindered you throughout life, but. At the time, did you feel like everything was coming on top of you? Or as you said, you used it as motivation and passion to fuel your business in a sense? Yes. So the NBA didn't work out, but that was actually, I I, I would have made it to the NBA for sure Mm. if I would have kept playing basketball because I would have put in the work. You know, I would have shot them thousand jump shots a day. Mm. I would have put in 10,000 hours. You know, I would have definitely put in that work. That's for sure. That's and true. if I didn't get drafted, I would at least play one season in the NBA if I kept on playing basketball. Mm-hmm. See, what me is I just took that that same energy into business. So instead of shooting a thousand jump shots a day, I just put in those thousand hours in 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 doing research and 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 finding my finding my value in business and how can I make life easy for my clients and uh in, in people around me or or in um or any 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 facet that I'm in, whether I'm working for a company, I'm interning for a company, mm. how can I add value? How can I uh make this company more money or make it easier for them to accomplish their goals? And uh so I just I just changed the shift, you know, because when we when I was playing basketball, we practice. Mm. Uh you make your money practicing. That's where the real game. That's where the real skill set is at. During the game is really easy. That's that's about you know, four uh, twelve minute quarters, and uh, you know you pick your spots, you know, and you know whatever your game plan is, you follow the game plan. Yeah. But practice is where you get to work on your skill sets. You know your layups, your layup package, your your jump shot package, your passing ability, your dribbling ability. And uh, but you know, and the hours you put in there mm. will result into those few, you know, forty-eight minutes on a court, you know, during a, during an official game. And transition into business, and I just wanted to put, I just wanted to use that same uh skill set that I've learned in sports into business. Mm. No, definitely. So. You come out of university and uh, what's life looking like for you? Are you, um, you took the corporate route, I assume, didn't you? Yes. So, so what was that experience like then? Oh uh, man, that's a great experience. Uh, I'm still in a, I'm still in that, ex- 
I'm still in, in uh in that uh field in the corporate world. Mm. Um that was a great experience. So after college, I thought that was like, you know, entering the NBA draft, you know. I'm I'm assuming, <laughs> you know, your salary is going to be you get to negotiate your salary in the million in the million marks. <laughs> uh, you know, and I had to pay tuition out of pocket. So I'm yeah. like, okay, you know, I'm done with college. I got my education. Yeah. Uh, so who so who's gonna give me that hundred million dollar contract? And it didn't work that way. That's when I uh-huh. met Jeffrey Canada, and George Caldoun, and Dr. Brazelton at Hall of Children's Zone, which was uh, I believe at the time was the first uh charter school. Mm. And at this charter school, they had different programs. And uh I chose the baby college program where I felt like uh they had a unique skill set in in the sense of uh of education. Mm-hmm. Where, uh Dr. Brazelton, um he was my mentor and uh he created a um like he was a famous pediatrician based out in Boston. So okay. he used to come I believe once a month to to New York and to discuss uh brain development. Okay. Uh how to read and play, how to read, play, and sing with your um with your with your child. So it was more of a parenting program. And that taught me a lot because that actually gave me the vernacular on how to articulate uh the way I was raised. You know, okay. so the same implement that he used in brain development was the same implement that my family used raising me, okay. which, yeah. uh, you know, they talk with me, not at me. Uh, they they allow me to develop fully in a sense of uh, allow me to make decisions on my own. And if I make a mistake, they'll uh, sit me down and articulate you know the mistakes that i've made but that was in my language in in bumana so mm-hmm. you know so now when dr brazzer came he pretty much uh gave me that mental gymnastic to be able to uh to put to put it all together and then so that's what we had to teach the kids uh and the parents so from mm-hmm. So that age bracket was from zero, from expecting parent to uh, a child that's three years old. Okay. Yeah. No. So, so you you're working in the um, corporate field then, man. And uh, at the time, are you you know stuck in the corporate life, as in thinking this is the end, or you know what's your hunger level at that time to do something different in a sense? And did that spur you on to um, really progress in business? Well, this part I take my glasses off. Uh, you know, it's 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 not shades. It's it's actually um for the UV light. So uh wait, I'm sorry, what was the question? So I was just saying, so obviously you're in the corporate, you're in the corporate field, um, you work in the job, and uh, you know, did at the time were you thinking, look, this is you know where I want to be, I wanna progress up the ranks in this company or transition to a different company or where you're like, I have a different level of hunger to go do something else and pursue something on my own. And did that therefore progress you on to do that? Yes, uh, that was just a, uh, a starting point for me. Mm. Because at that time, uh, you know, you have a cap space, okay? you have a salary. Mm. And uh, and I was in education field. So I realized that uh, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be able to, you know, accumulate billions of dollars, you mm. know, working for this company, even though this company was making a lot of money. 
So I was saying, um, so I just wanted to see how a business op is operated from a day-to-day -day basis. So that's that's where I was, that's the, the part that intrigued me the most. Um, mm. So I was going there as a, to see how, you know, you got to make sure your employees are paid, you know, or weekly. Uh, like they're saying, everybody want to be a boss, but, you know, a boss, you got to have, an, that, it's fine to be a boss, but you got to have employees mm. and uh, you got to be able to pay your employees 20, 30 years, you know, and that allow your employees to be self-sufficient and they can raise their family. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, you have some execs who parents, I mean, who have child, kids that's in college that they're paying it, their family, they're, they're paying their tuition working at this company. Mm. So I just wanted to see how that responsibility was. And uh, and I felt like, you know, I was ready to do that. So I was there for a few years. And then, um, and I was still trading on the side, you know, still yep. trading on the side until uh, I made a great trade. And then I felt like, gosh, I think I should do this full time. What was that great trade? Uh, that great trade was a commodity company at the time. Uh, we 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 came in at a great price, and we sold over. You know, it was also like a, it was an option play too. So I had a great year that year, um, and uh, that was uh, that's when I seen the value in trading stocks, and mm -hmm. um, so the company at the time yeah, it was a commodity company. Um, and then, uh, so that was pretty much how I realized that in order for me to make my billions, mm. it's probably going to be me working for myself. No, definitely. So when you're work working that corporate job and obviously trading on the sideline, what was the day-to-day -day life looking for you? Looking, looking for you? Were you, uh, you know, trading in the morning, going to work, then coming back, um, doing more trading? What What was the uh, state of play? Uh well at the time um see now you have a lot of platforms where you have mm. Robinhood uh you know you have Fidelity or or um E Trade accounts mm. so at the time um you had I had to call I had a broker okay so I called the broker on the phone and he pretty much helped me out on the trades and uh he mentioned a few companies to me at the time and uh so that's pretty much how I was doing my trades was over the phone through a broker. Mm. and um so then you know sometimes you know i start it was it was an everyday trade it was more like uh i was more like you know day to day some days i follow up on it or how's the trades going or he'll follow up with me and then um so when 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 e, when i open up an e-trade account okay that's when uh i started doing it on my own right, okay. and then after doing it after uh you know a apple been very good to me Mm. so you know apple stocks i started buying a few apple stocks and start buying um uh tesla uh amazon so then i started you know just paying attention a little bit and applying the fundamentals that i learned when i was in college and uh yeah then i've had a lot of mentors throughout the process and then you know they started giving me good information then I started attending a lot of uh, seminars mm. and I also listened to Warren Buffett mm. yeah, definitely. and to uh, how to make great, great trades. And uh, so then I just took it, you know, day by day. And then I started while I was working in the corporate field.
then I ended up working for uh, a hedge fund company. And then okay. that's when um, things started to look up for me. Definitely. So what was your investment philosophy like at the time? What was the analysis you were putting in to uh, make those great trades? Uh, so at the time it was more of, um, uh, it was just more of, I didn't actually have an investment strategy, but I was just thinking long-term. Yeah. I was like, okay, if I'm going to put my money into this company, is this company going to be here a like, hundred years from now? Yes. Yeah. Or is uh, what is the value of this company? Is, like, is it, and then I started looking at the things that I purchased myself, you know, yeah. to see, okay. Um, it's, is other people going to like this, you know, is this just a trend or is this going to be here forever? Mm. So I started uh, being more conscious as I got older mm. and things that I was buying and also implying into investments. Mm. So if I, like for instance, when I buy a, a iPhone, I was like, okay, I guess I think this company might be here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, cause it's easy to go on the internet. It's easy to, so it's easy to make a phone call. Mm. And um, so, you know, and even with Amazon, I started saying, okay, you can go online and you can order books and you could pretty much get anything where you uh, just off of a click of a button, you can get any material that you pretty much, you know, that you, that you may need. Mm. So I say, okay, it might be some value into this because uh, people are, uh, even when Facebook was first created, you know, I kind of seen a value in Facebook because I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so with my peers, you know, I have friends in different colleges. So we communicated through Facebook and yeah. then you get the girls, you know, you talk to them online. And mm-hmm. then I was like, wow, you know, same age bracket. Uh, I could talk to them, you know, some of them didn't have cell phones at the time. So online was like facebook was a great place to to meet or to even at least communicate definitely and uh i started seeing how i seen value into that was the parties that we was doing like college parties mm. uh you put a flyer to facebook everyone uh says they're gonna attend or not attend and then we go to the party it is a huge crowd i was like wow everyone yeah pretty much communicated through Facebook to come to this event. Yeah. And now we have people becoming president using Facebook, which is yeah. impressive. Definitely. So, you know, those fundamental questions, which were obviously, is this company going to be here in a hundred years? And am I a consumer of this product? And if so, do I like this product? And can other people seek value from it? They're the fundamental fundamental questions that you asked to make those great trades. And so like nowadays, would you say that a lot of people tend to overcomplicate the process of making a great investment and they like to talk about all this, you know, in detailed stuff? Does it just boil down to those fundamental questions? And if so, would you advise people to keep it simple as possible when making an investment? Uh, yes, depending on how much you're investing. Mm, See, okay. you, you get into the technical parts when you start investing millions of dollars, right? Now you want to know the market cap of this company. You right, want to okay. know who's the company. You want to know uh, who's the CEO of this company. It, are they reliable? You know, mm. that's when you want to get into the details. But, um, you know, even, you know, so companies that's, but it's still fundamentals though. Those are still fundamental questions. Mm. Uh, 
But even if you invest a dollar, a hundred dollars, a million dollars, the questions pretty much should be the same. Um, in the fact of uh, you know, because you don't want to just invest in a company that you don't think is gonna is gonna be around. Yeah. Right. Um, so those fundamental questions is actually very important questions. You know. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's quite easy to overlook those simple questions personally when you've got everything else and all that data out there. Um. So obviously, you know, you're investing and you're doing well investing, you're making good money, enough so that you could quit your job and pursue it full time. Um, do you have any advice for like investing beginners who want to get into the markets? Uh, they might have like, yet say a thousand dollars that they want to play with. Where would you where would you say those people should start and what should they start doing? Uh I think uh if you have that, you should start somewhere like uh you know, I mean, I want to mention a company, but they're not paying me. But well, mention either. You know, no, I mean, in a sense of like, uh, I don't want to endorse a company, but uh, let's just hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Let's just say, uh, like the phone that you're using, mm. right? You know, that wouldn't be a bad investment, right? Because, uh, you know, like, comp and also look at the market cap of the company. See how much capital the company has. Mm. You know, you can use Apple for example. You know, Apple has a large market cap. Um, Apple product is is in a lot of businesses. Um, and also look at uh, uh, devices and chips, right? Look at the things that you have, like on a TV, like what what's keeping it running, mm. or a vehicle, like what tools that are they using on on majority of the vehicles out in the world mm. right so just, just just pay attention to those little details i mean because yeah. we have the information right we have the technology to actually you could just look so companies that you that you uh that's a necessity that's essential mm. it's something i would put my money in and also it's, it's okay to, buying stocks i wouldn't say is a risk if it's a company that that's been around for a while and that has a good market cap. Yeah. What you can do is uh if the if the price is low and if you look at the charts, you just look at the um you look at their uh their peak price and mm -hmm. their and their low price and um try to find a trying to get in under their peak price, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the peak price is. And uh that'll give you a, a good advantage and try to buy low. It's so high. No, definitely. Key principle yeah. that. And what would you say are the key factors that have allowed you to, um, you know, take your investing journey to where it is now, making those big investments and uh, playing with the big time money? Uh, well, it's still the same fundamentals. Um, so companies that I believe in, that uh, that I've seen, if it's like right now, stocks is at a discounted price. Mm. You know, so uh, at one time, Amazon was at over two thousand dollars. Right now, it's it's under two hundred dollars. So starting out, I wouldn't mind buying a few shares of Amazon because yeah, Amazon is all over the place. It's all over the world, and uh, you know, I just ordered something on Amazon. It's it's it got delivered a few days ago. Yeah, it's so crucial. yeah, it's crucial, right? And it also is hiring people, so. Um, yeah, so those are like, I still use the same fundamentals, you know, I've, even if I've took a lot of loss, mm. uh, 
um, you know, because the thing about the market is, is uh, no one knows what it's going to do the next day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Prepare yourself for anything can happen. Like right now, currently, there's a war that's affecting the market. Mm. Uh, there's inflation that's mm. affecting the market. There was COVID that infected the market. See, no, and no one's seen COVID coming. I mean, I wish I've seen it coming because I would have, I would have definitely. Money. Money making, yeah, two hundred billion dollars uh, for sure. I would have just this from option place. Yeah, but these is three things that happened this year, well, these past few years that no one's seen coming. War. <laughs> I mean, people talk about war every day, but mm. you didn't know actually somebody was going to actually you know pull the trigger, yeah. pull the, you know, mm. uh, and declare war, uh, unless the people that was involved um covid that just came you know shut down the country everyone yeah. was on corn uh i didn't see that coming i don't know a lot of people that have seen that coming um no. so those are the and then that's and then inflation of you know was was impacted by that and that's what that's impacted the market now yeah so uh you have to be mindful of that so, uh, but I think uh, we're going to overcome in this, especially this is a perfect time to get in the market. It's a perfect time because the things are at this kind of price. And if you can overcome this, uh, this, this, this little bubble, uh, a lot of people will be, will prosper if they position themselves well. Do you reckon we're in for, um, you know, more economic turmoil um, in the near future? What's your prediction with that? Do you have any, uh, predictions regarding where's the just global economy heading uh i haven't you know that i don't know but I, what i know for sure is that we are in a great place mm. uh in a sense of that um there may be some changes that's going to come but i think it's going to benefit us mm. uh, i don't know when or how but you know, there's speculation, uh, speculations out there on, uh, you know, countries coming together to trade on, on a different currency instead of the U.S. dollar. And uh, so there's all these theories out there that, you know, I'm paying attention to. Uh, but also what I do know for sure is that based on history is that we're in a great place because mm. of you know, I mean, we, we wasn't there for the Great Depression mm. and we have so much technology out there that uh, like, look how fast uh, we came up with a cure for COVID. Mm. You know, yeah, that's, true. you know, with technology. So if currency is the problem, that will be fixed, mm. you know, because, you know, it's more babies are being born every day. Mm. so and now we have chat gpt that's you know that's taking a life of its own so uh you know in every generation there's going to be some form of transition that's not easy to adjust to mm. so um now my prediction is i think things are going to be for the better mm. and uh the older generation of course you know people are nervous you know people are panicking but it's it's new anything that's new that has to do with transition 
it's not easy for some for someone that was that's prospered. You know, some people may want things the same way because they're doing well for themselves. Mm. And uh, so the now a change may help other people. Mm. So I think uh, we had a great we if I had to be this age in any generation, I'm happy as right now. Definitely. That's great insight, mate. And, you know, now obviously onto, I guess, your biggest losses um, in throughout your investing career, you know, what, what have they been? Can you remember your biggest loss and what was that feeling like? What did you learn from it? Well, my biggest loss happened recently. I'm still recovering from that. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, pretty much after the pandemic. Like, see, when, the, when COVID came, the way the market was fluctuating was mm. very unpredictable. Because mm. usually the method that I had was a little bit unorthodox. So okay. I had a strategy on an option play, which I used to do two years out, three years out. And whatever the strike price is, whenever it hits that price, uh, then I'll sell. Then when uh, COVID came, you know, every COVID came, I was dealing with COVID, the war between Russia and Ukraine and inflation, all at three times that I've never seen. Mm. And I wasn't prepared for that because my technical analysis wasn't as advanced as it is, as it is now. Mm, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. That was that was my biggest loss. It was happened to be a little bit, you know, almost almost seven figures. Definitely. And, and when you mean that your technical analysis wasn't advanced as it is now, what what does that mean? What does that entail? How have you advanced it? Okay. So how I advanced it is uh, thanks to Peter Tuckman. Mm. And David Green, they taught, you know, they're my two mentors who taught me technical analysis. Peter Tuchman is a is a trader uh, at the New York Stock Exchange here in New York. Uh, he's been trading for over 30 years. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm blessed to, you know, to, to meet that guy. And so with him and David Green, uh, they pretty much just taught me technical analysis in the sense of uh, learning how to use a stop loss, not right. to... Uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, to have a strategy, you know, and stick to that strategy and have a, and have discipline and stick to that discipline, uh, you know, to l- learn how to position the charts. So before the way I used to do it was I never used a stop loss. I just do an option play two years out, one year out, set up a strike price, set up my alert. It reached my, it reached that strike price. I sell. Mm. Um, now with this, with the inflation, all those things that happen, if if I would have had the information I had now and the discipline, which would have been, you know, you know, a stop loss is whatever percentage that you want that you don't want want to go under as far as you don't want to lose money, mm-hmm. uh, sell. Yeah, you know. But with me, I was, um, I was trading with with emotion. Okay. I was like, oh, this is gonna overcome. Oh, this is gonna overcome. So the, as long as the price kept dropping, I kept buying more. You know, so I was more emotionally involved in the trade instead of getting the emotions on. You know. No, definitely. Um, so now I think this is the part where we transition in the podcast to talk a bit about the halal way. Uh, because obviously that's you know, your brand, uh, that's what you've been building, and that's something that you live by throughout business so talk to me a bit about the halal way what does that mean to you uh so the halal way what that means to me is it means the honest way it also means the blessing way in english 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so what that means is the name of my business. It's what my business is all about. Mm-hmm. It's it's the one plus one theory. Uh, what's one plus one? Two. Same language anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what the Halawa is about. But it's also a conglomerate. It's different sectors in the company. Uh, I have investment. I have infrastructure development. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have uh, real estate. Yeah, with the company, and it's 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 between the United States and Mali, and also Saudi Arabia. So okay. those are the death triangle, and I'm gonna get Europe involved also because you know I love Europe. Um. So yeah. So it's pretty much just to add value and uh and allow people to be self sufficient, and that's with the halal way. Inshallah, that's what's gonna help me. Uh, spend a hundred billion dollars uh, to help the economy without, you know, throughout the throughout the world. And is the hedge fund involved in that in that bracket then? Yes, the Halawa is also. Yeah, I mentioned. So I'm in the process of starting my own hedge fund, which mm-hmm. is going to be, uh, you know, it's uh, it's still pending, um, and that's going to be part of the Halawa also. So Halawa investments. And there, and you know. Uh potential investors attracted to you because you live by those honest rules um, in business, which is, you know, you know, honest, honest business at its finest in a sense, really. Yes, for sure. For sure. So the halal way is the same as the kosher way, you know, like for, for, for my Hebrew brothers out there, Shalom. Uh, it just, in English, it just means blessing. So it's just Arabic for blessing halal. And uh, so, you know, I was, my family um, is Muslim. I was born Muslim, and but I also believe in all religion. I believe it's all the same, mm. and uh, so I just want to just simplify, simplify my uh my portfolio, and my business, um, and uh and just keep it one trend, you know, uh, just keeping it because there's so much information out there. I just want to simplify things, you know, make it easy for people. No, definitely. So. Talk to me a bit about the hedge fund because that's really interesting. You know, you're doing some great work there, and that's obviously in the pipeline. Yeah, just talk to me a bit about you know the building processes of that, essentially. So the building process of the hedge fund is pretty much uh, you know out- allocating capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm still in a, a pending stage of that, so also coming up with a strategy mm-hmm. where you you be able to reward your investors. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's pretty much the process of a hedge fund. So I'm currently a private investor. I trade for myself. Um, so, and uh, I, I will be, you know, I've, I've turned down a lot of money because a lot of people do want to invest with me. Um, so that's pretty much, uh, you know, I want to make my clients happy. Okay. So, you know, coming up with great strategies on how to accomplish those goals. And what is the benefit of, you know, turning from a private investor to a hedge fund taking on external capital? Is it just more scale? Um, you know, what what's the primary benefits? Uh, well, it's pretty much the same. Um, but the difference would be uh, with, uh, with a hedge fund, you're dealing with, uh, with other people's money. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's that would be just pretty much the difference. And um, in that part, you know, so, we, you know, that's, pretty much it it's pretty much the same it's both private sectors but for hedge fund you're allocating capital um 
you know, for from different clients, and then you you negotiate whatever their return will be throughout the year or quarterly or whatever you guys disclose. And what what is the capital raising like? Have you been able to you know get soft commitment from investors, put up capital, and if so, how have you been able to do that essentially? Uh, well, through relationships and family and friends. Um, uh, me allocating capital that's a easy transition for me. Mm. Uh, I don't think that would be very complicated, you know, as far as like collecting capital. Uh, but before I start collecting capital, I want to be want to make sure I have a strategic uh, strategy. And then um, once I have that strategic strategy, then I'm going to start allocating capital and allow my uh, clients to to prosper. And is the reason why you think it will be like an easy transition to allocate capital? Is that because you built up such a strong track record before, you know, thinking about starting the hedge fund, essentially? Yes, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it would be. And also, um, you know, I have great groups of friends uh, through, mm-hmm. that I've met through, uh, through my journey mm-hmm. and great mentors. Um, so, yeah, collect allocating the capital will be the easiest part. No, definitely. And I guess one thing that I'm getting throughout this, you know, podcast is that you've been able to develop such a strong network and strong relationships with key people who are likely to, you know, drive you further and become and uh, allow your goal of spending a hundred billion dollars much easier, make that much easier for you. So how have you been able to develop such a strong network? And is that the first thing that someone should focus on the business journey, having that strong group around them? Yes, for sure. Uh, and also, the key thing about spending the hundred billion dollars is not just me buying Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much just implementing the money back into the economy. You know, as far as like high volume infrastructure development, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding value in things, and also uh, allowing people to be self sufficient. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's also it's a it's a thirty year project to mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish those goals. So that's the purpose of spending the hundred billion now. It's actually going to help the economy. It's more of a selfless act, yes. In that factor, yes. uh, and also being, and uh, and I and I have a strong team because uh, there are a lot of successful people. You know, mm. there are doers out there. You know, who who are builders who actually done the work, um, have experience in their field, and uh, has prosper in their field. So I've studied them. Um, also, uh, I've been friends with them a few years, even out, you know, uh, even out there in Dubai, uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, in uh, in uh, in Wales. So these are people that actually uh, are d- doing the work as mm-hmm. we speak. So um, yeah, it's a privilege to you know, and an honor to have those group of friends. No, definitely. And as you've progressed through your journey, how has your motivation shifted? Uh, my motivation has still been the same. Uh, it's uh, helping people, being a service to people. And, you know, and one of my superpowers is um, is seeing people reach their full potential, even if it has nothing to do with me. Mm. You know, so that's my superpower. Uh, Cause you know, everybody want to be a billionaire. Everybody want them, you know, would rather they be successful. So with me, if you're part of my team, you're with me, we, 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 we have a form of relationship. If I see that 
you can prosper in a mm -hmm. field better than I can, you know, uh, I will pass the information down to you. So in in uh in 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 basketball terms, uh, whoever's closest to the basket, you pass the ball to, so they mm -hmm. can make the layup. And a layup is the easiest basket to score in a basketball game. You know, yeah, definitely. Then dunk. You know, because the dunk you gotta jump and then you gotta, you know, hold the rim. It could, you know, it could it cut your fingers or something. But uh, a layup, you just gotta hit the backboard. Ball goes right on in. And uh, so I use the same uh, tactics in uh, in business, you know. So if I see something that you're good at, like for instance, uh, someone is looking to give uh, give a podcaster uh, twenty million dollars, and I don't, I, I'm not a podcaster. You're the podcaster. I'm like, okay, I have a friend here uh, who podcasts. You know, the twenty million dollars, he might be able to uh he might be able to use that it might help him out better than it could help me because i don't have a podcast mm. so that's what's those are the advantages that's my superpower no definitely definitely and i another interesting topic i want to get onto actually um because i obviously saw you on the escape the matrix podcast amazing episode yeah. that you film with them um you know banging episode and on that show you had a uh pretty um you know, strong view on relationships, you know, you're probably looking to start a family later on in the line. Um, so, you know, you know, what, what would you say is the benefit of getting into a um, relationship if you're someone in business? Because a lot of people will turn around and say, look, it could just be a massive distraction. How are you able to harness that to reach your full potential in a sense? Well, for me, I believe it's just, it's my opinion for uh, a man to reach his full potential, not saying for you to be a millionaire or a billionaire that you need a woman, but mm. for a man to reach your full potential. So let's say your full potential might be a hundred billion dollars, but you only have one billion, mm. right? So to reach that hundred billion, your full potential, I believe a man needs a wife or a significant other because that mm. will complete you, you know, mm. that will allow you to focus on your goals and your task at hand. And also it'll give you that balance mm. uh, for you to reach your full potential. So that's what I mean by that. As far as uh, for a man to reach his full potential, he needs a significant other mm. or a woman. For a woman to reach her full potential, she might need a significant man, a husband, like a protector, uh, like a, a life partner, because you can't do it by, you can't do it by yourself. You know, no. you need, you, you need a significant other to be able to take it to the next level right uh because in order to produce a man and a woman must come together yeah you know no, so definitely. so that's 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 what i mean by that you know as far as uh reaching your full potential and so that's uh those are some of the uh strategies that i believed in and um you know and i've also from my own experience you know i've seen that uh you know having a significant other would just allow you to just focus on the task that you have at hand mm. or you might or someone that's uh because it has to be someone that you can trust that can balance you it can't just be anybody no and definitely. a person and a person that it is only person that can know would be you yeah because you know because then you will feel like they're making your life easier easier yeah you know they're not they're, they're not making it they're not making it toxic 
So you as an individual will be able to know that. So mm -hmm. no one can actually do that for you. That's something that, you know, that you will have to find yourself and then you'll have to ask yourself, oh, wow, uh, he, uh, she she completes me. You know, mm -hmm. she's, uh, I can see that, uh, I can see the value in her, you know. I mean, it's not everyone, mm -hmm. but there is that one person that's for everyone. I mean, that, you know, everyone has that one person that's uniquely tailor-made for them. Mm, no, definitely. And it's also that added motivation in a sense as well, especially if you're looking at starting a family and if you're looking at it from a legacy standpoint, those are, you know, people who are going to carry your legacy forward when you're not there. So it's just that added motivation to strive further and further. And I don't know if you agree with that, man. Yes, for sure. And also, look, even think about starting a family, you got to put in your mind just simple things like that baby has to eat forever. Mm. Mm -hmm. right you know you know if you have a child the child has to eat mm -hmm. you know you, you, if you're by yourself you probably go a day without eating you know you could probably you know miss a breakfast or miss miss a dinner here and there but if you have a partner or if you have uh, a child now you now it ain't about you no more you, you could be not be hungry but that child has to eat that child depending on you you actually mm -hmm. created this child so these are some of the things that, you know, I mean, uh, people may overlook. I mean, it's very simple, but it's still, you know, it's so if you're going to have, if this child has to eat, you might just, you might want an abundance. So you don't have mm -hmm. to worry about the child or you may have to worry about affording to feed this child, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it would definitely give you that motivation uh, to go get, go, go, go get more. Mm. you have to wake up in you know because every day now you have to actually wake up with a purpose definitely, if, definitely. if you have a child in your house or if a child has to go to school change your clothes picking up the child you know what i'm saying so and now and also want to have a you also may want to leave something for the child you know mm. because you created this uh this innocent human being that did not ask to be here on this earth but is now here on your behalf Mm. so you know uh the least you can do is leave something for them where yes. they can prosper and pass it down and that's how legacies are formed that's know? amazing that's amazing so you know in let's say 20 years to wrap up this podcast let's say you know a good question to end off you know what do you want to be remembered for salif let's say when you're when you're on when you're, you've got family you know you're retiring you know, you don't have much work and you're looking back at your life. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want people to think of you as being about? I want to be remembered for the man that created the halal way. The man that says, uh, that allowed people to be self-sufficient, that provide, uh, that help, that was a server that helped people reach mm. their full potential. Um, so, you know, I just want to be, uh, you know, and also when you wherever you see the Halawe out in the parts of your world, uh, you know, that was something that Salif has something to do. So I just mm. want to remember as a guy that was a doer that said he was gonna do it and did it. Mm. No, definitely. That's amazing. I think that's what everyone should live by, to be honest, and everyone should aspire to be like. So yeah, no, amazing Salif. Thank you so much for hopping on this podcast with me. I think that's a great place to wrap up. Um, it's been an amazing episode. I've learned a lot. I'm sure all the viewers have, and they know what you're about, know what you're doing with all your plans for the future. Um, have you got any last words for the viewers? Anything you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to drop? Absolutely. 
Uh, so with the Halawe, now with with fortitude, prudence, temperance, and justice, you could do anything in this world. Definitely, definitely. You've heard it right there, everyone. And um, yeah, no, like great episode. I'll drop all of Salif's um, social links down in the description. You can go check him out on Instagram. He posts a lot on there, a lot of great content. So go check him out. And uh, for the viewers who are looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs, you feel free to join the Discord group. That link will be down in the description as well. And uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me.